Good morning, YouTube family. Good afternoon and good evening, wherever you might be. Glad that you guys are joining us today. Hey, Obi-Wan, good to see you. John, good to see you. Glad you guys are already hopping on. Hey, you guys, so today, you know, uh, the topic today comes because, as you all know, we're all looking around and thinking, what the heck, is everybody a narcissist today? And not just that. I mean, we all know not everybody is a narcissist, but it sure does seem like it, doesn't it? And um, not only that, but you kind of start getting paranoid when you look around and you wonder, you know, is this person dating a narcissist? Is my boss a narcissist? Is my best friend a narcissist? You know, you just kind of get into this rut where it just seems like they show signs of narcissism, right? And... Um, and if you're really raw to it, you're going to feel, you're going to, you're going to feel paranoid. You're going to start feeling very uncomfortable a lot of the time. So anyway, we're going to address that today. So glad that you guys are hopping on. And I wanted to share with, in happy crappy hour, what our happies and crappies are this week. So I want to hear back from you guys and know what's going on, how things are shaping up in your lives. Um... For me, uh, crappy, I mean, there are a lot of happies and crappies that happened this week. But one of the crappies was, you know, when you go delving too deep, you know, when you get, I love to read and I love to um, learn. So, he, well, and actually, I think this happens to everybody because, you know, now that we have social media, now that we have um, YouTube and things like that and and links on web pages. So you after you read one article, there's another link and you want to go to that link and then another another one and another one. And before you know it, two hours have passed. So even though I'm not doing the social media thing where I'm checking up on who's doing what all the time, because that, by the way, is a huge uh, waste of time and also destroyer of your ego <laughs> and destroyer of your life satisfaction. So it's a bad idea to to get onto social media, even though you're thinking, well, I'm just keeping up with my friends and my family. And I did that for a while. But what I found is that it tends to bring people down more than it brings them up. So, but even if you cut that out and you're going into uh, articles that you want to read or videos that are entertaining or educational, what ends up happening is, um, well, the marketers at these places are very good and they know to recommend other videos and other articles and you end up reading and watching for hours and then before you know it, your whole day is gone or half your morning or, you know, whatever it might be. So that is part of the paranoia problem because it does feed into the paranoia especially if you're investigating and learning about narcissistic personality disorder. Because at the beginning, of course, it's so helpful because you're waking up to, to this, uh, whatever you want to call it, mental disease. <laughs> you're waking up to it and then things start to make sense because you're like, holy cow, that's why. That's why I couldn't get through to this person. That's why we couldn't have a heart-to-heart -heart conversation that's why I never felt close to this person. Um, but when you go down all these videos and you're, you're absorbed into them, 
you and, and you stay there for too long you, you tend to start thinking and projecting what you're learning onto people you see right it's almost like you're trying out what you're learning and um and instead of it being a language you're practicing you're now practicing identifying narcissistic traits in people to the point where you might start to to project onto them characteristics that it's just normal. It's just normal being human. It's normal being um, uh, confident, right? Or normal having a good day. Some people have a good day and they just suddenly are, are on your nerves because they just seem to be too outlandish and too too excited and, and too dramatic. And you think, oh, that's a narcissist. But in actuality, they're just having a good day. They're on the upswing, right? Um, we're going to talk about all of that. and. The crappy for the week is when you go into, or for me in this case, when I start going into videos and I go to one and another and another and another, I, I get to the point where I get absorbed and I, um, and it's really easy to go down the negative trail. And that's the problem. Like you see the problem, you see, especially in narcissist videos, right? You go, and they're educational and some of them are like even entertaining so when you do that, you tend to start thinking only about that topic for two hours, right? Or however long you end up, <clears throat> excuse me, guys, <clears throat> however long you end up um, on your phone <laughs> looking through things. Uh, yeah, whatever you focus on, that's going to take over your mood. That's going to take over your focus. Even if for the rest of the day you're doing other things, you might think, oh, I wanted to go back and check on my phone and see what's there. And then you check on your phone to see if maybe someone called or someone texted. And then you realize, oh, I left this video open. Oh, let me finish watching that video. And then here you go. You're back into that time warp again. <laughs> that has been my crappy this week. So I have to learn to pull myself away and maybe set a timer. I think there are such things on your phone. Well, I know I can just set a timer, a regular timer. But I think that's what I'm going to do this week. The thing I'm learning about myself is I have got to set a timer. Otherwise, I'll just keep going and going and going. And um, I have to make sure I get out, right? Stop doing this and get out <laughs> and do something else for a while. Man, yeah. Oh, BB Sky, good to see you. <laughs> awesome. This is a good topic today. I am, I am ready and early. Yes. <laughs> Glad that you're here. Uh, let me see. Oh, interesting. You know what? <laughs> so funny. Okay, that's interesting. You guys are just having some conversation, which is great. I will just check to see. Okay, good. Oh my gosh. And so my happy this week. I want to hear what your happies are. And I see some of you are talking about that already. It's giving me some ideas. So that's pretty cool. Um, my happy this week has been that I got to meet up with a few different people who are interested in the truth and um, are motivated and are just, you know, and motivated in a good way, just motivated to bring more positivity out there. And uh, at the same time, educate and help people to see truth. 
So that has been very encouraging. I've been able to talk heart to heart with some people and not for like long periods of time, just a few minutes, but it's really good when you're able to talk to some people who have different views than you do and you're able to have a heart to heart and hopefully um, reconnect, you know, just human to human, you guys. So that has been my, my good, my happy this week. So hoping you guys had a good week as well. Definitely am looking forward to hearing about it, but let's jump into our our topic today. It's called After Narc Paranoia. And this is very normal, okay? There are different kinds of paranoia. The first one you're going to probably feel is, um, you know, everybody is looking at you or everybody knows all of your your <clears throat> your garbage, right? Everybody knows what happened between you and the narcissist. And, and maybe some people do know some of it because the narcissist undoubtedly is talking about it with other people, right? So you can walk into a room and feel like all eyes are on you and people know and people are acting kind of weird around you now. So they must know or the narc must be talking to them. And I, I have had that absolutely with every narc that has been in my life. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. Every narc that has been in my life has undoubtedly talked and trashed and gossiped about not just me, but pretty much everybody, right, in their life. So what makes us different? We're not. We're not different from everybody else in the narc's life. They're going to talk about us. So so there'll be times you'll walk into a room and you just feel like everybody quieted down. Or <clears throat> you walk in the room and... um people who are normally very uh, outgoing and, and pleasant and warm to you suddenly are kind of standoffish. And you're like, what the heck, right? Yep, yep. <laughs> the narc is definitely it. But here's the deal. Um, don't spend too much time paying attention to that. It doesn't matter uh, if people are looking at you. And actually, we're more sensitive to it than probably is actual and, and real so you want you don't want to focus on how others are looking at you whether they're quieting down it doesn't matter you're going to still bring whatever you were going to bring when you came there right if you came there to enjoy people's company go ahead and still enjoy people's company you still be you you act as if whatever they know is not really there because if they want to bring it into the conversation, they'll ask you, hey, what happened between you and your ex? And, or, you know, your ex mentioned this to, you know, and sometimes they will. Sometimes they'll actually mention this to you. But if they don't, the heck with it. Just gloss over it and you be you. You know, enjoy your time. Um, enjoy your time with the people that are there. You know, mingle, talk to them. And here's the deal. Some of these people are going to fall away. Some of them are going to be uh, swayed, right, by what they're hearing from the narcissist. Some of them are going to uh, start making judgments and, and start crit being critical. And, well, that's them. You can't change what they're going to think or what they're going to feel or how they're... <clears throat> what decisions they're going to make about your relationship with them. But you can decide 
how far you want to take your relationship with them. Engage it by that. Just be like, you know, hey, if they get together with me for coffee or they want to go out sometime, cool. But if you try to set something up with them and you never hear back from them, cool. That's fine. Whatever. <laughs> you know, this is a sign to move on. This is a sign that these people um, are not that good of a friend. Those are not the people you need to start pouring more into, right? In fact, you want to start, start looking elsewhere to find people who are receptive. And a lot of times you got to move away from your mutual friends, sadly enough. But some of your mutual friends won't care. Some of your mutual friends will be like, well, what happened between you guys happened and I still like you. And the more you're yourself, the more you are not gossiping, the more you are happy and wanting to pour into that relationship, if that person is a healthy friend, you know, to have, they will reciprocate. They will be pouring back into you and you're going to have a great relationship. Now, I've had some relationships like that where we actually blossomed after the narc abuse. Um, but then I've had also others who I just feel like, okay, they are obviously feeble-minded. <laughs> and it's true. They are feeble-minded who decide they're going to be critical without asking any questions. They're not going to want to hear both sides of the story. They already made their decision and they love gossip along with the narcissist. So it does you good to just cut that out. So the paranoia that comes in there is probably the first one. Now the second wave of paranoia that comes in will happen when you start investigating and finding out more and more about narcissistic personality disorder. Because you start to identify, you know, initially you're identifying with a lot of it and you're thinking, oh my gosh, yeah, I, I missed all these red flags and this is exactly how the narcissist treated me. And um, I'm going to jump into this part. The beginning of the relationship, you know, we talk about the love bombing. And here's the deal though. Most relationships start off that way anyway. It's not like, oh, you start off and it's very boring. Unless you've been friends for years and years and years and then suddenly you look at each other differently. Okay, that's a little, that's off of, you know, the charts there. But for most relationships, when you first meet each other, it's exciting and you're getting to know each other and you're having a lot of fun. So now you're looking back at your narcissistic relationship and you're thinking, oh my gosh, that's what happened at the beginning of our relationship. And all these videos and all these articles are telling me that that was love bombing. So then the next time you get into a relationship and it's exciting and you're getting to know the other person and the other person's getting to know you and you're, you're, you're excited about each other and like, oh my gosh, let's go do this, let's go do that. Things that maybe you wouldn't even normally do because um, when you get together with somebody else, you're going to want to try out whatever they're interested in and they're going to want to try out whatever you're interested in. So it sure does look like love bombing. You have to be careful to not apply everything you learn to everybody you meet, right? Uh, you don't want to project it onto them. Oh my gosh, this must be love bombing. They want to do everything, uh, you know, spend time with me. They want, they want to try all the things that uh, I'm interested in. Oh my gosh, they're love bombing me. No, they're just getting to know you, okay? You have to step back. This is not a sign of narcissism. This is relationship. 
Now, the sign of narcissism uh, is when you have more than one, right? So, and it's not just two, by the way. I think in um, NPD, I think now they're up to, used to be nine indicators for nar narcissistic personality disorder. And I think it's up to 12 now, um, characteristics. And it used to be if you have five or more, then you would be diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder. So two years ago, when I started looking into this, um, it was five or more. Now I think it might be six or more, now that there are 12 of them, uh, characteristics. So don't think that everybody's a narcissist just because they have one or two of the traits, okay? Or even three of the traits. Uh, if you wanna know what the traits are, I've made a video on that. I'll go ahead and link it into this uh, video in the description and then hopefully in the iCards. Uh, when the video uploads, which for some reason takes, I don't know why, 14 hours. <laughs> used to take all of 12 minutes or so to upload these videos. But anyway, so you guys, you want to look at more than one indicator. And you don't, if you don't do that and you just think, oh, this person does this one thing or th that person does these two things, they must be a narcissist. You're going to become more and more paranoid. You're going to start to feel like the, your world is closing in on you and all these narcissists are surrounding you. And I've had some viewers who have felt that way and have asked, you know, oh my gosh, is everybody a narcissist? And the answer is, of course, no, not everybody is. We all have some narcissistic traits, right? There are some of these traits that... Um, that it's just part of being human. If you're going to be a person, nobody is walking around a perfect human being, right? Nobody. So uh, some people are going to feel shame and, and hide when they make a mistake, right? It's not necessarily a narcissist that's trying to play you. It's just somebody who's too ashamed to admit their guilt, right? But after a while, they'll feel too guilty and then they'll admit it. Um, just, just things like this you, you have to pay attention to. And I don't want you to fall into this pit where um, you become so paranoid that you unplug. You unplug from society. You unplug from your all of your friends and your family. Now, I'm going to get into some of this because it's very easy to start labeling people as a narcissist. And... Uh, I want to talk about a couple of the traps that um, that kind of pull you into that. And you want to avoid this. So let me just check and see if you guys are doing okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly, BB Scott. Yeah. Yeah. BB Scott says, correct. All relationships start with a start off with a little honeymoon phase. Absolutely. So it doesn't so it doesn't seem out of place and this should be a little there should be a little excitement <laughs> Jeez, Obi. oh because she tells you not everybody's a narcissist okay okay boy you little think about that <laughs> think about that if more than one person's telling you not everybody's a narcissist okay anyway here we are so the thing is Narc awareness could actually ruin or save you. Being aware of the narcissistic personality traits could save you from 
um, a really horrible relationship, right? Could save you from getting into or, or accepting abuse in your life and, and living with it. Okay, so in that, I really appreciate all the people who've come out to try to teach about narcissistic personality disorder. And I give examples in my shorter videos that I've done on the criminal stuff. You can find that in, um, what are those called? <laughs> like video uh, categories, I guess I have on my, on my main page. And the reason I give you examples of these criminals and what goes on um, and what they say, how they behave, what their crime was. And then there are some with short videos of, of what they, of them actually behaving and talking to police or during the invest interrogation. And you see, you can see the narcissistic personality come out. Um, now those examples are good because then when you see that in another person, you're like, whoa, that's a warning. And especially if you're already, you're, if it's gotten to be an abusive relationship, whether it's verbally abusive. And I'm not talking about like once in a while, they're irritated at you. And so they use a tone with you. You know, we need to stop thinking like, oh, that's abuse. You know, it's just life. Nobody's going to treat you perfectly every minute of your life. You don't treat anybody perfectly every minute of your life either. So let's not hold this impossible standard to people and then expect them, expect that if they should uh, fail that standard, then suddenly they're a narcissist. It's That's absolutely not true. So if you do apply that kind of standard to people, though, that's where it will ruin your life. So it could save you from staying in an abusive relationship, but it could ruin you if you think... Uh, every little infraction, every time someone uses a, you know, every time someone's just frustrated, oh my gosh, they're a narcissist. No, they're not. They're just frustrated, just like everybody gets frustrated. Um, all right. So I had written some notes. I'm going to see, <laughs> I'm going to read them out to you. If you learn just enough to be aware of it, but can't discern the lies from truth, you will become paranoid and think almost everyone is a narc. You'll become biased towards those who make you feel good, even though they are just trying to be nice and not stir the water. So in this, um, we're going to still be fallible, all right? We're still going to uh, put our bias on people dependent on how they treat us. So if someone is flattering you and is just being really nice to you and um never complains about anything you say or do, never has a criticism at, at all, which is good, right? You know, you're like, oh, this is great. I love being around this person. But what might happen is you start to um, trust that person more and more and to the point where you don't realize they're playing you. You don't realize that they're manipulating you. So, um, so when they start asking you to do uncomfortable things or break laws or rules, uh, cheat or steal, you tend to think, well, um, I trusted them. I already built this trust foundation with them, so I'm going to go ahead and do it. You have to be able to see the lies from the truth, right? So when they're buttering you up and you know it's totally not true, that you can recognize, okay, this person's just buttering me up. When you're feeling like you're so needy for for 
praise and and people to keep you know buttering you up then you're going to start falling for the narcissist types you got to be careful of that it will mess you up the problem here is you have to be real with yourself like when someone okay sorry the other side of the coin of that is when a person uh, a good friend tries to tell you something that you don't want to know you don't want to hear you don't you take it as a criticism and when your good friend tries to tell you hey you know dude you curse a lot you know you might want to tone that down a little bit and because they see that you're making people around you uncomfortable right you're throwing the f-bomb around way too much and pretty you know comfortably everywhere you go whether you're in public and around little kids and whatever right you're doing this and your friend's like hey dude you know you might want to not do that so much. And then you look at them and you're thinking, well, who the heck are you? This is who I am. I want to be myself. Or Why are you trying to change me? And you think, oh, they're trying to change me. They're trying to control me. That person's a narcissist. So what will happen is if you know just enough about narcissistic personality disorder and you're not able to discern truth from lies, you are going to think that people who are actually friends, real friends, people who actually care about you enough to, to curb your bad behavior, you're going to think they're the narcissist because they're trying to control you. And then the people who are manipulating you and try to get something from you because of whatever right uh, and they and they butter you up they compliment you they never criticize anything you do in fact they're they encourage even your bad behavior oh yeah you just be you keep on doing that and and then they trash anybody who criticizes you and tries to set you straight so then you think they're on your team when actually they're doing you a disservice they're actually manipulating you into continuing to be a bad person or maybe a worse person. You're going to go down the wrong road with them. So that's why it's really important when you are looking around and you think, oh, is this person a, a narcissist? Is that person a narcissist? Look at their track record with you. You know, have they been loving before? Do they, are they always the person that you can call, um, and they'll always be there, right? So, and I think a lot of people have experienced this. I know that I have, where I'm the kind of person that, for my friends, if they need me, they can call me. They know that. And the awesome thing is, um, through the years, we may have had our ups and downs and moments of truth. I'll tell you, those moments of truth are hard. Um, but they keep coming back because they know I'm there for them. They know that I mean well. They know that I have their back. You know, um, I may not agree with everything they do or everything they say. And it's okay, you guys. It's okay to disagree. You don't have to be offended just because you have a disagreement. Um, but they know ultimately when they are in the dumps. You know, I've gotten calls at midnight. I've gotten, you know, texts, you know, asking to get together so that uh, they can get my perspective because they're going through something hard or could I pray for them, you know, because they know I'll be there. They know they can trust my judgment. 
And that's the other thing too. They'll call me when they want my opinion on a situation that they're having with somebody else, right? Um, because they want to know the truth. They don't want to just be buttered up. They don't want to just be told, oh, the other person is all at fault and you're just perfectly walking on this earth. You know, everybody should be worshiping you because you're so perfect. You know, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> I'm going to give them the truth. And the thing is, there have been people, though, in my life where I've given them the truth. And not like I go out there and I just point it out to them like, hey, this is what's wrong with you. You know, <laughs> I don't do that. But when we have those heart to heart conversations or when we're just having conversation and I'm just being real and I'm like, these are my opinions about things. I'm not even sure what their opinions about things are, but they're welcome to pipe up and and tell me as well. But but if my opinions contradict or go against their opinions, suddenly now they feel like, oh, my gosh, we're too different. And and uh, how dare you tell me your opinion? Well, isn't that what friends do? I mean, we should be able to talk freely with each other. Um, you know, it, it's not an argument. But anyway, they will feel uncomfortable because my opinion may not mesh with their opinion. So that now suddenly they feel like we're at odds when we're not at odds. They're at odds. I'm not at odds with them. <laughs> So then they just detach and they think there's something wrong with, with the person that doesn't have the same opinion as with them. So they're going to detach and, and never talk to you again. I'm like, okay, but that's where having just enough awareness, um, not even awareness, but when you're feeling uncomfortable or challenged with somebody, suddenly you're more likely to label them a narcissist. Suddenly you're more likely to criticize them and pick at every little thing about their character until you get enough proof that they fulfill certain elements of the narcissistic personality disorder, right? And, but then other people who are flattering you, who are the yes people, who, who never help you with anything either, by the way, because they're not even loyal, because when you try to call them, they're always busy and they're never around, um, and they give you horrible advice, by the way, but they don't criticize you. So you never feel uncomfortable around them. You might tend to think that, oh, those people are good. Those people are, are my real friends because they never make me feel bad. And it's not that your friends make you feel bad. If there are things you need to change in your life, a good friend is going to step up and help you with that. Right? A good friend is going to be honest with you. And some good friends are brutally honest because they have to be. If you're so far down in a hole that you cannot see straight, a really good friend will go in there and dig you out. And that digging is not going to be easy. It's not going to be pleasant. It's not going to make you feel all happy inside and sunshines and rainbow, you know, sunshine and rainbows and butterflies. You're going to feel like, why, why are you bothering me? Why are you making it hard on me? It's because they see you're in a ditch. It's because they see you're going down a really dark, terrible path. So instead of turning and biting them, you need to be real with yourself. So you guys, this narc paranoia comes in when you're in this dark place and 
You're not moving forward. You're, in fact, becoming more of a grump. You're becoming more miserable. You're becoming more bitter, right? Because of the abuse you've had in the past. When you've had that um, bitterness start to creep into your life, you'll start to, you're, you're not going to be able to, first of all, be real with yourself and see what's, um, what's accurate, what's a, what's a truth and what's a lie. You're just, just going to apply your, your bias, right? Towards people. You're going to think, well, this person makes me feel uncomfortable because they said, um, they said something about my tone when I was, you know, all mad at them. Well, you just feel like, how dare they even ask you to please not yell at them? <laughs> you know, you're like, how dare they? It gets that bad. It gets to the point where you cannot even accept correction in that way. And then when that happens, you start to label them as the abuser or the controller or the narcissist. And in actuality, this is a person who's willing to stand there with you, take your blows, and correct you. Whereas a real narcissist is going to be like, you know, petting your ego, telling you there's nothing wrong, letting you become this terrible monster of a person. And then you're looking around like, where'd all my friends go? How come my life is so lonely? Why is nobody coming around me anymore? Well, because you pushed away the people who were trying to help because, and you're labeled that, labeling them as the narcissist while you're chasing after the people who don't challenge you. But here's the deal. Those people who don't challenge you, they may not be the narcissist, but they're also not exactly your friends either because they don't feel comfortable bringing the truth to you because they know they're going to get your stink eye or, you know, they, they know you're going to retaliate. They know you're going to say something uh, to combat them because you don't want to hear the truth. Uh, you guys, just be very careful of that kind of behavior because it will lead you down this paranoia trap. And then you're going to look around and wonder, well, why, why can't I date anybody? Why is there nobody out there to date? Why don't I even like anybody? Um, part of liking people is actually, it starts with liking yourself. And I'm not talking about in that arrogant, narcissistic way, you guys. I'm talking about you're liking the person that you are, right? You, you probably want to write out a list of characteristics that you like, right? What, your, what are your morals? What are your standards? And then see how you stand up to all of those, how you measure up to all of those things. Are you the person you want to be? Are you the kind of person that you would want to be best friends with? Okay? Like you could be, here, here's a trap that we all fall into um, because this is being taught in our culture right now. Like love the person that you are, accept yourself as you are. And that sounds great, but the problem is when you love every bad thing about yourself and you feel like there's nothing you need to change because if you change your bad behavior, you're no longer yourself. You guys, if that's what's being taught out there and we're absorbing it, 
we're going to be miserable, horrible little monsters. And I think that's why we do see a lot of horrible, miserable, maybe not little monsters out there who walk around as if the whole world owes them something, right? And they're the center of everybody's universe is what they think. And, every, you know, they deserve special treatment because they're special. Um, they've suffered the most or nobody knows their past and all the things that has happened to them. So they deserve more than everybody else because they look at everybody else as if everybody else has had a perfect life. And they're the only ones who've had a hard life. So they deserve. They're entitled. They are special. And... The world tells them this, right? The world tells them. Our culture is telling them, hey, love yourself. It's not your fault. All these things happen to you and you deserve better. So they're actually walking around believing all of that garbage, by the way. Now, if you work on yourself and you're still beating yourself up and you're like, oh, I'm defeated. I'll never change. I'm too broken. I think that's what that message was supposed to help, you know, people who, who are stuck in that situation, stuck in that mentality, that they cannot bring themselves out of their own pit because they're always berating themselves. They're always saying they're, they're never going to measure up. They can't do this. You know, they're just very negative with themselves. That's the point of where that cultural teaching that, you know, love yourself and take good care of yourself, and you deserve better um, than you think because you're thinking, I deserve nothing, and, and my life is terrible, and I'll never have the things I want. You know, when you're thinking that way, people want to help you come out of that. Now, there are some people who are not even thinking that way. They're just jealous. They're walking around thinking, how come this person has what I don't have, you know? And then the culture is telling them, oh, you deserve more. You deserve better. They're not better than you. Then that's you're going to build yourself into this terrible monster of a person. So be very careful of that. You want to be close to people who are willing to stand in the fire with you, who are willing to tell you the hard things, right? Who are willing to um, correct you when you step over a line, especially with them. It's not wrong that they have boundaries like if some you know people who come into my house they know um i don't tolerate foul language right now do i use foul language from time to time yes but this is my house and i don't use it like on people i just when i'm mad i might say something in an empty room or with my husband right he's aware he's aware of what i say um but generally i know to tone it down because i know it makes him uncomfortable as well so just because I'm mad doesn't mean it's okay for me to be filthy mouth. Um, so I've learned and I've changed my character and I've worked on myself so that I don't react in that way. Now, when people come into my home, they know that there's a boundary here. Like we do not just use curse words for the heck of it. Just because we feel like using it as an adjective, a verb, an adverb, uh, you know, <laughs> like be a little more creative than that, right? Uh, so just because someone asks you, please don't do that around me, doesn't mean they're a terrible person. They're trying to control you. It's a healthy boundary. It's a healthy boundary. Um, yeah. 
So a lot of times I think what ends up happening is the paranoia when you start reading about narcissistic personality disorder. When people tell you or try to enforce their boundary and they don't want you crossing over their boundary, suddenly you're, you're going to project onto them or they're being controlling. They're being narcissistic because they're, they're assuming they're better than I am because they're telling me I'm wrong and they're right. When that may not even be the case at all. They're not telling you you're wrong. They're just letting you know what's, what's the rule if you want to be around them, right? Yeah. Oh, let me see what you guys are saying here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's so much to learn in relationships and to sort through. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Chris Garden, Chris's Garden Pile. Good to see you. Let me see what you let me go back a bit. And Letty, good to see you. Oh my. Yeah. Letty says a per the person I'm dating tells me he is giving me advice, but it's name calling and insulting. I do explain the difference between giving me advice and actual insults. And he gets angry with me. Letty, that's a great example right there of discernment. You are seeing that there is a line that people cross. You know, there's helpful and then there's ins insulting. And then when they're insulting, then it's toxic, right? Then no. And I'm glad that you mentioned this, that you point out to him that this is insulting. And let me you know, help you with this a little bit, Letty. Um, if he keeps doing that and you tell him what the boundaries are, he has to stop using names like, well, I just think it's stupid that you do this and that and that. Well, he doesn't need to say it's stupid. You know, he needs to, even though he does think it's stupid, essentially he's calling you stupid, right? And then maybe also he, how do I put this? I kind of doubt that he would like it if you did the same thing to him, right? Even if he's like, oh no, this is the way I am and I'd rather you be just blunt with me like this. But honestly, if you were as blunt with him as he is with you, as often as he is with you, he will get annoyed. <laughs> he will get, he won't want it. So again, back to treat people the way you want to be treated. Uh, he can be honest with you, but there are certain limits. You're not going to say it's stupid that I do these things. Just say, well, you know, wouldn't it be better if you did it this way or, um, and here's something I learned, by the way, I guess I'm kind of getting off on that, but there can be more than one way of doing things, right? One, you know, to, to each person, they think that their way is the smart way. And to accuse the other person of being stupid for not using their way, right? Their own way. That's not helpful in a relationship. That is toxic. And that is a boundary that needs to be enforced. Chris's garden says, at this point, I just prefer to continue to stay alone. I totally enjoy my life. Yep, three narcs coming after me since hubby died. He was not a narc. It's just easier to be alone. Wow, Chris, yeah. You know, I'm glad that you're able to recognize unhealthy relationships. Um, so glad that your husband wasn't a narc and that you did have that time with him. And I'm sorry that he passed away. And 
wow, you know, you're really going through a thing here where, of course, these other ones who are coming after you and they're not bringing good things into your life. They're bringing toxicity into your life. That's not good. Obviously, that is that is something that we don't need. <laughs> and you're right, it is so much better to be alone than to have that in your life. Yeah, Chris says, um, I'm not, oh, I am content. I just want to get over the fears the last three narcs brought to the surface again. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing about relationships. They're going to expose a lot of our own character. Um, it may not be exposed in that the other person's insulting us and telling us what's wrong with us. It could be exposed because of how we are going to respond to them how um, how we hold back from them or how we uh, share too much with them maybe or how we uh, can't uh, how we're up and down emotionally with them and we're not stable in our emotions that gives us really good insight into the things we need to work on with ourselves right so having had those relationship experiences there's so much you can learn from them, even through the bad things, right? Even through the times that you behaved badly or you responded in ways that you wish you didn't. Now you have this chance of changing that, of being real with yourself. Here we are again, coming back to you have to be real with yourself in order for others to be real with you, right? For you to have this uh, good and healthy relationship. You have to first be real with yourself. If you're not real with yourself and you want to stay in a fantasy world where everything you do is perfect and you're never wrong, you are not going to get into a healthy relationship because that right there is not a healthy thing. <laughs> so what are you bringing into the relationship if you're unable to be real with yourself about your shortcomings? Now, you don't want to beat yourself up and say like, oh, all these things are wrong with me. And um, I'm never going to get better. You know, that's that's not being real with yourself. That That's being um, uh, pessimistic, <laughs> I guess, pessimistic. It's being uh, a defeatist, right? And you don't want to do that. You want to move forward. <laughs> B.B. Scott says, follow your feelings is actually not a good route as our feelings can be reactive, hijacked, and not true. Yep, same with thoughts. They are often reactive and not a good and true path to follow. Yes, yes. So, you guys, I hope that this is helping you recognize that not every relationship that you have is a narcissistic one, right? Not everybody you're meeting is a narcissist. Um, and you do have to trust your gut, too. You know, you're going through healing right now. And... For a while, you are going to need to retreat. You know, you don't need to have a barrage of uh, people t criticizing you and telling you how to live your life and what you're doing wrong. You need to pull in and you need to see what happened, reassess. You need to, to identify um, things that you didn't like in the relationship. And it's, it's good. It's good to find that out. It's good to know, oh, I didn't like it when this person behaved this way or... Um, had a had a short temper, right? Uh, I, I didn't like that they cursed a lot. 
I didn't like that uh, they stayed up all night and slept all day, okay? So there are things that you're going to start realizing, I don't really want this in my life, and that's good. That's fine. That's discernment. Then you start to see things that you do that you don't want to continue in your life. Like maybe you're the one who stays up all night and sleeps all day, and then you feel like you didn't get anything accomplished, or you're feeling more down every day then you need to change that, right? You need to go, oh, I didn't like it in them, but I also don't like it in me. I don't want to continue to do that. So it's a really good time for you to kind of pull back, retract a little bit and and reassess. Reassess who you are, what you want in your life uh, before you start jumping forward and, and dating, you know, like crazy and, and just assuming everybody's got problems with themselves and everybody's a narcissist because everybody displays one to two traits of NPD, right? Um, like I said earlier, it's more than one or two traits. You have to fulfill, I believe now, like six traits uh, of 11. I think it's out of 11. I can't remember. It's been a while since I've looked into this, and it changes every year, apparently. So, yeah. Don't want to fall into that trap of paranoia, because you're going to start pushing people, good people, away. And... At the same time, your biases towards people who make you feel good but aren't really helpful in your life, you're going to be bringing and allowing in people who are not good for you. Yeah. I have a few more notes. Let me read these to you. It says, while you will think anyone who is trying to tell you the truth is a narcissist. Oh, yeah. Sorry, this was a continuation of a thing before where I said that those who are buttering you up and complimenting you all the time, you think they're, they're, they're the wonderful friends. I just love this friend. But then somebody, who, on the other hand, is trying to tell you the truth. Suddenly you think they're the narcissist because the truth hurts. Um, I have a friend who is telling me about someone that she um, counsels. I don't know who it is, okay? She's, she's just sharing with me that because of what I do, she just wanted to hear my opinion on it. Um, someone that she'd been counseling, I, I believe for, she, she didn't get into very many details because she wanted to protect, you know, the identity. And in fact, I don't even know who her clients are. So anyway, I don't know names. I don't know faces, but, um, so she says, um, one of the people that she counsels, she's known for a while. And in fact, this person knows her partner, her business partner in their counseling business uh, very well as you know also but now this person has become paranoid now the person that they are that she is is uh, counseling has become paranoid so in parent she, she didn't use the term paranoid she said that she be, this client believes everybody is gaslighting her that's paranoia by the way she thinks that everybody is gaslighting her. So it's gotten to the point where she believes um, the counselor's business partner, the other counselor, is gaslighting her when that other counselor is trying to tell her the truth. The other counselor is trying to give her guidance, trying to curb her paranoia. And now she thinks she's being gaslit. And she uses that term. So my friend was asking me about this. You know, what is up with everybody saying they're gaslit now? Everybody thinks everybody's gaslighting everybody. 
And I, I said, yeah, it's probably because of these channels. You know, we, we talk about gaslighting. It's become a pretty popular and trendy thing uh, to talk about and to explore and learn. And I think just about everybody, almost everybody. No, I shouldn't say everybody. A lot of people, though, are familiar with the term gaslighting. But now that they're familiar with that term, they're projecting it onto people, right? They're, now this client is looking around. Now that she knows this term gaslighting, now that she knows what it means and how people do it, she suddenly feels like everybody around her is gaslighting her when they're trying to curb her paranoia, when they're trying to help her, when they're trying to tell her the truth which is painful and she doesn't want to hear it. So she thinks that they're telling her things um, that are not true because it's, it's more comfortable to keep yourself inside of a lie that everything is fine with you. There's nothing wrong with you, nothing wrong with the way you see things. Um, you're perfectly right all the time. But when someone says, well, actually, that's not correct. What you saw there was your bias, right? You're projecting your fear onto this person and then you're assuming that person is treating you in some way because you're, you're expecting them to treat you a certain way. Now, when a counselor says that to her, suddenly she feels like the counselor is gaslighting her. Yeah, it's absolutely paranoia. That's what's going on. And so I'm hoping that this counselor can help this woman because um, I think it's a woman. Yeah, she did say it's a she. So that much I know. Um, yeah, I'm praying that, you know, she'll be able to help her. But when someone starts to fall into this paranoia trap, how, how do they get out of it, right? Even when they start looking at their own counselor's business partner, and that's, and here's the trip, here's the trap. Uh, if this person doesn't stop believing that everybody's gaslighting her, she's now going to start projecting it onto her own counselor, my friend. So she's going to project that onto her own counselor and assume when her counselor is trying to help her, trying to give her the truth, trying to guide her towards the truth, and the truth is uncomfortable, the client is going to assume that counselor now is a, a narcissist, is a bad guy, is someone who's trying to control her, someone who's who's gaslighting her. Do you see that paranoia start to build there? Um, and now she's pushing away people who are good for her, who are trying to help her see good in others. Yeah. And, and here's the other part to this. It's not just like she walked in there and one day she just decided to... Uh, to label everybody as gaslighting her. I think that she started falling down towards, uh, into a pit, right? A paranoia, into a negative pit where she starts seeing symptoms of narcissistic personality disorder. She starts being able to identify certain characteristics played out here and with this person and then with the neighbor and then with the, the dog sitter and then with the 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 babysitter, and then with the, the co-worker, um, they, they start identifying as if everybody is a narcissist. 
and wanting to pick out narcissistic traits in everybody. Oh, what's this person's narcissistic trait? Um, when you start to be, this is why I think counseling and psychology is not for everyone. <laughs> if you're not prepared and you're not really trained to see the truth, you're going to build up this crazy paranoia world where it will ruin you. So just be careful of that as you're watching all these videos, as you're identifying, being able to identify certain traits. Don't just assume, well, now I'm a certified psychiatrist, <laughs> you know. No, it's a, you could be wrong. I could be wrong. Admit that to yourself. Even certified psychiatrists are degreed, you know, people with degrees in psychiatry, they can be wrong as well. Because psychiatry, by the way, is a very, um, it's a living science. It's continual observation, continual study of people and also um, cultures because cultures will ebb and flow and change anyway. But ultimately there is a truth and there is a lie. So that's what we always have to strive for to know that. So I wrote, um, guess what? You will only know enough about narcissistics, narcissism to project all the negative onto those who make you uncomfortable while ignoring the red flags of real narcissists or, or um, toxic people complimenting you and trying to make you feel good. Um, you'll think that the truth tellers are gaslighting you because the truth is painful and you will want to avoid pain. I mean, naturally, that's what we do. We avoid pain. Um, knowing about narcissistic personality disorder could make someone more paranoid and worse off than someone who doesn't know about narcissistic personality disorder. It depends on how open you are to questioning and discomfort. So, yeah, it's okay to be uncomfortable. In fact, it's, a, it's like jumping into a cold pool and then when you get out, you're shivering, but then as as soon as you start to feel the warmth on you, the truth on you, it feels so much better. You feel like you've been released from something or something's released from you. It's okay to feel discomfort with the truth. The truth is so good. Um, when you're able to identify like, oh my gosh, uh, I've been lazy. I, I let myself really go and I I'm out of shape. Oh my gosh. You know, how am I, I can't even walk up a flight of stairs without breathing hard. What's going, when you're able to be truthful with yourself, now you can address the problem. Now you can change that situation, right? Now you can motivate yourself. Well, I, I want to be healthier than this. I want to be able to not just go up a flight of stairs. I want to be able to, to run a few miles. You're going to want to start working out. You're going to want to start strength training. You're going to want to do a little cardio each day. And it'll motivate you because you're being real with yourself. Other people who are not being real with this, themselves, and I know people like this as well. I have very, very close loved ones who since they were 40 were telling me, I'm so old and I can't do this. I'm an old lady. I'm like, you're 40. And granted, yeah, at the time I was 20, but <laughs> I was like, you're 40. Well, now this person is a lot older and they're still saying, oh, I'm so old and I can't do this. In fact, I think the person was in her 30s when she started saying that to me. And so now, you know, she's much older and she's just 
and I've told her, I'm like, you've, you've been saying this since you were like 36. <laughs> you know, you've been saying that you're old and your body's falling apart since you were 36. So what the heck? You, why are you, you got to get moving. And it, you're never too old, by the way, to start moving and improving. You're never too old to get stronger. You're never too old to make good changes in your life. It's only going to benefit you. Yeah, so be open to questioning um, yourself, right? And your lifestyle and what's health, what you do, your bad habits, question those things. And then it's okay to be uncomfortable getting help from people who are willing to tell you, yeah, you know what? You shouldn't stay up to three o'clock in the morning every night, <laughs> unless you're working, of course. But why are you staying up to three o'clock in the morning, watching videos, um, watching uh, movies or whatever and not getting the rest you need it's you're not setting yourself up for success so it's okay to be uncomfortable with some of this criticism it's constructive criticism these are the kinds of things when you hear them you can start moving yourself in the right direction um, and seeing the truth when once you are truthful with yourself and you start applying things to make you feel um, not just feel better, but it does make you feel better when you start getting your life on the right track. Then, like, yeah, right, like you're saying you sleep too much. I'm guilty of feeling so old. Oh, narc abuse is exhausting. Stuck in night. Oh, yeah, that's right, shines. Yeah, you know, um, this is where you have to start implementing good habits. So when your mind starts telling you, oh my gosh, I'm 60, or oh my gosh, I'm 40, or whatever age you might be, um, tell yourself, oh, okay, even if you're 60, you know people are living into their 90s, right? Like you have 30-something years <laughs> still to go. So you're only 60. Oh, Chris says, I'm almost 72. Spent seven hours working in the yard yesterday. Last Narc says, it is not good for me to care about my yard so much. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's good for you to be outside, I'll tell you that for sure. And if your yard needs seven hours of work, which mine does, I think it's a good thing. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh, this is terrible. Chris says, he says he works hard at, at being as lazy as possible. Really? And that... That's good. And he's in bad health and only 65. Holy moly. Yeah, exactly. These are people who are just so negative and then they're, they're, they're trying to, they're trying to put lies into your life and have you accept these lies because they're comfortable with them. They're comfortable with the lies. They're comfortable in their life. That is, they're comfortable with negativity in their life and negative habits and bad habits uh yeah <laughs> i'm glad you recognize that yep so prepare yourself because truth is hard to accept that's why people prefer the fantasy world of the narcissist the narcissist knows this and will entice you or lure you in with their promises of good things in their world or their policies so what I mean by that is like your, what your friend or, you know, that guy you were with telling you that, oh, no, it's good to just relax and not do anything. 
And then you see like, okay, it is good to relax, but not every day, all day long and get absolutely nothing done. And then just become this sluggard. They're going to try to get you to believe and fall into this lure that life is so much better if you live it in their negative way. Um, but at first you might not see it as negative. You might think like, oh my gosh, yeah, I am working too hard and I'm sore at the end of the day after working seven hours in my yard. And then they'll tell you, you know, you don't have to be sore. You could be relaxed and just enjoying and watching this movie with me. Anyway, you know where that goes. <laughs> So use your spidey sense. You know there have been flashes of truth that contradict what the narcissist is telling you. The longer you avoid the truth, the harder you will fall. And it can make the difference between two months with a narcissist, two years with a narcissist, or 20 years with a narcissist. Listen to your spidey sense. When you start to see the, the narcissist contradicting themselves and spouting things that just go against your morality, go, go against your sense of good, uh, then, yeah, <laughs> then you may want to, to be more discerning with the narcissist. So, you know, experts, <laughs> there are people out there who are self-proclaimed experts, right, on nar NPD, Narcissistic Personality Disorder, but even they are deceiving themselves sometimes and because they, if they're not able to discern uh, who, how do I put this? I I've seen people say uh, about public figures, Oh, what do you think about this public figure? Is he a narcissist? Oh, what do you think about that public fi figure? Isn't she a narcissist? Oh, I can't believe what a narcissist this person is. And I'm thinking, we don't really know that public figure. And we actually only see what's edited by, by mainstream media or tabloids or whatever you might call it now. Um, so we only get the the fantastical or whatever they call it, right? The, the exciting, the crazy headlines that will make us click or read or watch a video about that public figure. We're not seeing the real public figure. And yet people who are self-proclaimed experts, and maybe some of them actually have PhDs and whatever, M MD after their name, They'll tell you this person's a narcissist, that person's a narcissist. And I'm like, you can't diagnose over the TV, by the way. You can't diagnose through clips of video if someone's a narcissist because you don't know everything about that. You don't know what the situation is. You're, you're not seeing it in context. So even these experts, they can deceive you and make you more paranoid because you start to trust them. You start to think, well, they've got MD after their name or they, they have PhD after their name. And so they must know what they're talking about, but really they're only jumping on this bandwagon of, hey, let's just diagnose everybody that we run into and let's just focus on some narcissistic traits that they have and then call them a narcissist. Um, so be careful of that, okay? 
Now they can point out narcissistic traits and say like, be careful of this trait. You don't want people treating you this way. That's an, an unhealthy trait. That's one thing. And, but you don't want to just assume like if everybody, if anybody has this one trait, then that makes them a narcissist. Although there is one that I think that does make you a narcissist, the one, the one trait, and that's not having a conscience. Not having a conscience, you guys. Like if someone has no conscience and doesn't feel, um, yeah, it's they're very detached. They don't feel guilt or shame when they are all out hurting somebody. Um, they just can't see it. To me, that's like the ultimate uh, one characteristic that if they have that characteristic, <laughs> well, second of all, there's going to be a bunch of other characteristics that will follow along. But that is like the one thing where if they have no conscience, there's a big problem there. And that's going to be a very toxic relationship. You do not want to get into that. Yep. Yeah, you get, you know, the one more thing I want to say about these experts. Oh, we're way over our time. So I'll let you finish up your comments with each other. <laughs> BB Scott says, be careful of all experts. Be careful. Hold on. Let me see. And test the spirits. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Rishine says, I have some great support. Oh, wow. Yep. B.B. Scott says, yes, they will gin up fear. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I really like this. And that's been on one of my videos as well. Be kind and patient with yourself as if you were your own child. Yes. And Shines, you're welcome. You're welcome. Um, yes, and thank all of you guys for coming on and sharing your, your experiences and sharing your insights. We all benefit because of that. So, so much appreciate. Yeah. <laughs> this is true, BB Sky. I do have to agree with that as well. I'm just going to read this. Uh, this is terrible, terrible because it's at the very end of the video, but it says, uh, but there are also circumstances where you wake up and you see them in your friends, these narc traits and family and realize they have been around you all your life. Um, yeah, many of us, me, this uh, BB Scott is saying, uh, were groomed by a narc parent and so we accepted narc friends. So you do end up allowing them all over your life. Yep. This is true. This is true. Wow. Uh, BB Scott says she is fortressing in. She has likely never been allowed boundaries her whole life. She is awake and scared. This is an early stage. Yes. When you wake up from long-term narc abuse, you realize you have been surrounded and you never saw it. You have to retreat. Yes. Yes. You have to fortress and not trust. You overcompensate into a deep protection mode. This allows you to figure out how to establish boundaries. Yes. And then from better boundaries. And then, yeah, healthy boundaries. Yeah. So there's a lot. Yeah, BB Scott, you're going into. Yes, I agree with 
just about everything here. Yeah, the problem is when you stay in isolation. You can't stay in one place. You have to retreat to heal, but then start coming out little by little and not see narcissism in everyone, right? You are going to feel that at first. You're going to be like, holy cow. You start to see all the narcissistic abuse that you endured. You're going to see the ways that you've been manipulated. You're going to see um, all the lies that you had been believing all of your life. Uh, once you do that, boy, we do retreat. We have to retreat. We have to figure out like what the heck is real, <laughs> you know? Um, and that's where you start building on who you are and who you want to be. And you'll start to emerge. You're going to do great. You're going to get stronger. And you're going to get healthier minded than even a lot of people who are making these videos nowadays who are still stuck in some bizarre narc uh, tunnel. I don't know what it is. <laughs> tunnel vision. And they just cannot break out of it. And I don't want you guys to end up like that. I want you guys to be able to break out of the narc tunnel and live a narc free life, but also a very fulfilling and lovely, beautiful, just incredible, enjoy, so much joy. There's so much joy out there. It's so much beauty out there. So much good out there. And there are a lot of good people. You just got to start building those friendships. Start, start, um, investing in solid people. Start uh, even asking to be mentored by good, solid people. But also um, do things for yourself, right? Be self-sufficient too. You don't want to be, you know, hanging on to somebody all the time. Well, you guys, I appreciate you coming on. I really loved our time today. I hope that this is, has helped you guys not to be paranoid. We definitely see some narcissistic personality traits out there, but not everybody is a narcissist. And even, um, you know, we all have our pride issues. That doesn't mean you're a narcissist, okay? We all think that we're right sometimes, even when we're wrong. That's not a narcissist issue. That's just us being human, okay? And then being humble, you know, be around people who know how to be humble, who know how to apologize, who can see when they're wrong and will back off and change, right? And actually want to change. So be like that. Be a good person. Go out there, do good things, and spread joy, you guys. Have a great week, and I will see you next week.